the GM live from Beaton Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. Crispy will be joining us in 30 minutes. Floyd Reese. Sir. I have a question for you about Titans fans. Yes, sir. Titans fans, I don't think, are mad at Mariota, right? Are mad at Mariota? Right. I think they just think that Mariota, you know, kind of stinks. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just disappointed. That they don't, you know, they don't think he's a bad guy or he didn't give it his, no, give it his all. No, I, mean, no. I don't think there's a Vince Young Pac-Man feeling about Marcus amongst Titans fans. And I really don't even think there was one like that about Vince Young uh, as much as there was Pac-Man. But I, don't think the, I think Titan fans all wish Marcus the best both in football and in life. But what if Marcus were to leave here and go somewhere else and have success? Would Titan fans be mad about it? Dan Orvlosky, ESPN NFL analyst, was on NFL Live yesterday talking about Marcus and Jameis and said, look, he thinks that there's a chance Marcus goes somewhere else and has success. I point to Arizona and the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler as a maybe a barometer to go. We all know that head coaches get fired in the NFL, and unfortunately will probably be a part of the teams at the end of this year. If there's a team that, one, likes a college head coach that does some of the stuff that he did at Oregon and some of the stuff that Cliff does and space and athleticism, quarterbacks on the move, that might be the place where he gets the opportunity to reinvent himself. Yeah, like that may be something like where they they draft a young kid, but he's a veteran that because he's never been used the way he should be at the NFL level. Never been used the way he should be at the NFL level. I think a lot of that is because the Titans are afraid of getting him hurt. But let's just say that one of these college guys comes in and they say, I can fix Mariota, I will fix Mariota, and they sign Marcus to a two-year deal, $15 million, $20 million, whatever. They sign Marcus, and Marcus goes on to be an MVP candidate. Marcus goes on to be an upper echelon quarterback. Let's say Marcus, quote-unquote, figures it out with a new team, a la Jalen Hurts. Will Titan fans be mad at the Titans, especially if they end up with a quarterback who's not as good as Marcus turns out to be with another coach on another team? Well, uh, again, I think if they would have made the move, then maybe there would be some people. But, I mean, they had no choice, you know. I mean, the Marcus that we saw – the last time he played it. Now, he may play again and set it on fire. And we all, you know, we all hope he does. I mean, everybody likes Marcus. But that last game that he played, I mean, it left you no choice. It's not like you had options. And, and anybody that saw the game or anybody who was here during the time would, you know, they would completely understand it. I don't think it's so much that that would make Titan fans upset as much as it would be at the fact that You know, Vrabel was brought in to fix Marcus, and he has clearly regressed under Vrabel and his staff. And Marcus never really took off like you would expect the number two pick to take off, even under Malarkey and Rabisky. And yet, all of a sudden, some other coach can just come up with a system for Mariota and turn Mariota into the player that he should have been? I mean, mean, what are the Titans doing around here if if another coach can come in and fix that guy who looks like he doesn't have a clue and turn him into a franchise quarterback somewhere else. I mean, to me, then I'd look at my team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving on from Steve Young. It wasn't Steve Young that was the problem in Tampa. It was Tampa. And if I were a Titan fan and Mariota were to go somewhere else and light it up like we all three years ago thought he was capable of doing, then I would look at the Titans and I would say, do you guys have a clue? Because Marcus Mariota is third in the league right now in passing. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, the Tampa franchise that, that let go of Steve Young was nowhere near the San Francisco franchise that Steve Young ended at. I mean, Steve Young ended in a Super Bowl-caliber team with a Super Bowl-caliber team. In fact, they'd already won a couple of them when he took over. So it wasn't like, you know, you're not playing with the same players, same team, same anything. And and the, the same will be true with, with Marcus. If Marcus were to end up at New England and were to end up being able to function there and function properly and, you know, not do the Brady stuff, but do whatever it is that Marcus is going to do and be effective, well, I mean, we can say what we want, but in that program, I mean, he's whoever's the quarterback is going to be expected to to play at a certain level, not Brady level, but a certain level, whatever that is. And they're probably going to win a bunch of games. You know, now you go to... There is no way know. Mariota can leave here, light it up with somebody else, and the fans not immediately turn around and look at Vrabel like, what were you doing? It's not, that's not going to happen. Then Marcus goes somewhere else and lights it no, up? No, he's, he's not. You heard gonna, what Orvlosky said. Orvlosky says that he's he not going to go. Coach. He's not going to go someplace else and start. Now, he may end up starting. He may end up being, but he's not going to. He's going to do what Tannehill did. It's the same process. And it happens to all of them. You know, now, if he goes to a really bad team, you know, he um, uh, Cincinnati gets rid of Dalton, and they draft a kid, and they bring him in, and they also sign Marcus, then, you know, those guys will compete, and, you know, they'll see what will happen. But, you know, I'm not sure the winner is winning a great deal. I'm just saying, we know. saw it with Nick Foles. We've seen it. We're hoping that that's the case here with Ryan Tannehill. What did we see with Nick Foles? Nick Foles released by Los Angeles, goes to Philadelphia, wins the Super Bowl. Right. What if that's Marcus? What well, if Marcus I, goes to a team that let's Marcus... Let's see how can, Nick Foles does now in Jacksonville. I mean, that's Nick Foles was a great quarterback for the Eagles. Nick Foles was a good quarterback for a couple of weeks. He was good last year for the Eagles, too. Again, for a couple of weeks. When they had to win out he was in order never to get the playoffs, the he was good. starter. Never. And always came in as a backup and played good as a backup. But nobody ever mistaked him for a starter, including Philadelphia, which let him go to keep Wentz. Well, but they took Wentz, Wentz number two to a, in the draft. Signed Wentz to a long-term contract. They signed, but they took Wentz second in the draft. They didn't have a choice. They couldn't keep both guys. Well, yeah, but I'm saying if you if if you if if uh, Foles was everything you're talking about, you would have kept him. I over. mean, I'm not saying Foles is everything, but yeah. I think Foles is a starting so, NFL core. I think Foles has proven that Jeff Fisher and the Rams were wrong, and that he is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. I think Foles I, has proven that. You don't go in there, throw 400 in a Super Bowl game, and be a bad quarterback. Every, you know what? You, you don't think that happens. It happens more than you can imagine. How many you bad think quarterbacks have thrown 400 just, in a We Super just Bowl. talked about who was the caller just called and talked about Doug Williams. You know, when he came in, I mean, he was a backup. And then came in and took over, and, I mean, it happens. It's not you can't count on it. But, I mean, we've seen it happen in other Super Bowls. I'm in agreement with you that I don't think it's very likely that Mariota leaves here and has a successful career afterwards, other than being a backup. But I think there's a chance 
And the biggest difference between here and there, like let's say Chicago, where Mark Helfrich is the offensive coordinator there. Let's say Helfrich says, hey, we don't really know about Trubisky. We don't really like him, but let's bring Marcus in next year to be the backup. And then five games in, Trubisky still sucks. They go to Mariota, and Helfrich says, forget all this stuff. We're doing the Oregon style. We're going to do it like we did in college. (laughs) Because unlike here, where everyone was so afraid of Mariota getting hurt, there, Mariota's your backup quarterback, so you can get him hurt. So Mariota goes out there, does the Oregon thing, takes off, goes to the Pro Bowl, is a franchise quarterback running that Oregon kind of system, offense, college, whatever you want. You're not going to think that the Titan fans aren't going to sit here and say, why did they not go get an Oregon coach and try to run an Oregon style? And- yeah, no, none of that's going to happen. I mean, to begin with. I mean, you're just making stuff up. That's if I all, had said Nick Foles was going to win the Super Bowl, all, you would have said I'm making stuff up that's too. That's all fairy tale stuff. I mean, you know, they're not going to get into the middle of the year and say, okay, now we're going to change the offense. I mean, none of that happened. Baltimore did that last year. Chicago will not do it for Marcus. Let me assure you of that. What if Mariota gets with a good offensive coach? What if? What if? What if? That's the question. What if, what if, all, if? The quarter, well, all the good quarterbacks in the league get sick and they're in a hospital for two years? Marcus is the only quarterback out there, and he leads whatever team he's playing then for you the championship. Kept him. Then you should then, have kept him. Yeah, we're saying. I, I do wonder how Titan we're, fans we're, will feel. Will tight? I mean, I think Titan fans will be glad if Mariota has success after sure. Nashville. But if he kills it, I think Titan fans will have every right to be mad at the Titans. That they will have every right to say the Titans went and screwed it up. Because Mariota's getting a lot of blame right now, and a lot of people don't believe he's any good. And I don't even know what to think right now. But Orvlosky brought up a good question, that is, or brought up he thinks that a college coach that goes to the NFL can take Mariota and fix him. And I think about what Lincoln Riley has done with Jalen Hurts, and I think that's probably a possibility. So if that happens, I'm going to be mad that the Titans weren't smart enough to think to do that with their guy who's clearly a college system. Coach. And if that happens, you can be mad. Go ahead. We'll give you – that'll be fine. So here's the question for the fans. <laughs> Would you be mad at the Titans if Mariota turns around and lights it up, a la Nick Foles? 615-737-1025 is the phone number, 615-737-1025. And does Floyd think that Mariota even can be fixed in the NFL? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, plus your phones. We are live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. It's ESPN 1025. It has not been the season that either Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston had hoped for. Uh, in one case, a new coach brought in to help fix things in terms of Winston. But when you look at those two, because we talked about the season sort of as a litmus test, which is more likely to be back with their respective teams? I think it's Jameis Winston. I don't think it's close. And you mentioned a new coach being brought in. Bruce Arians was brought in to try to fix Jameis Winston. I think there was you know, kind of some belief that, that he would get it done. And even though it, he hasn't totally fixed him, there have been moments where you say, okay, hey, this looks better. You know, when you look at the, the situation in Tennessee, look, Marcus Mariota has been benched for Ryan Tannehill. I don't believe that there's a coach there that feels like he can fix Marcus Mariota, which is drastically different than the situation in Tampa. So I think there are some that believe that, you know, even without this drastic turnaround, that we will see Jameis Winston again as the starting quarterback in Tampa Bay. That right there, Tim Hasselbeck saying, hey, I don't think there's a coach in Tennessee who thinks he can fix Marcus Mariota. 
Then we heard Dan Orlovsky, ESPN, say, you know, Mariota never really had a coach who put in what he needs to be. So my question for you, Mr. GM, is you know different systems, different quarterbacks, things that a quarterback will fit, things that a quarterback won't fit. Do you think that there is a system in the NFL that Marcus Mariota could thrive in that could save Mariota? Do you think Mariota can be fixed, or do you think at this point Marcus is what he is and he's never going to be good? Well, I mean, we, I don't think we know that yet. He's too young. But, I mean, I don't know what the system would be that he would thrive in. And by that, I guess I'm saying I don't know how it would be a great deal different from systems that he's been in here. Um, Because there really are, you know, other than maybe what they're doing at Arizona, I mean, there aren't a lot of, you know, everybody runs four receivers, everybody runs three receivers, everybody runs two tight ends, everybody runs one back, two back. I mean, it's, you know, everybody has dropped back everybody has play action everybody does the same kind of stuff now there are some that coach you better and do it better we know that but i don't know that a system a dramatic change in the system is is what he needs but but i don't know what it is he needs you know i've never coached the man so you don't think that if he went to la he would be doing the same things golf has done over the last three years oh no really no but golf kind of sucks. Nah, golf, golf is like everybody else. When he's got the running back and the running back is gaining yards, he can do whatever he wants. Same with Marcus. That's right. So then how would there be a difference between golf and Marcus? I think that Marcus could have success if he well, went to L.A. Because Marcus isn't, won't turn it loose and isn't as accurate. He doesn't make as good decisions and he isn't as accurate as golf. I don't even think golf makes decisions. I thought McVay just tells golf what to do before the play. <laughs> that would be ideal if you could do that. I, I I, isn't I that not what happens? Golf gets to the last. line, and McVeigh tells him what to do over the thing, and then he snaps it. There's nothing from the time the two seconds that you have to look at the at the coverage, and, and when the ball is snapped and throw it, what that defense does to change itself from what it's showing you, you would you would be shocked. I still think if you put a good team around Mariota, he could be successful. Well, if you put a good team around any quarterback, they've got a chance to be successful. But I, I would agree with that. But I think there's a lot of people here that think that Marcus just flat out stinks. Well, you don't have – again, Marcus was brought in what? To be the franchise guy, to fix the franchise. The same as Jameis. Brought in to be the franchise guy, to fix the franchise. That's why they were drafted. That's why – you know, he got paid $20 million this year. I mean, it's it's to fix it. And when you get to a point where that doesn't happen, you know, what do you do? You got to go another direction. You got to decide where. Now, can he go someplace else? Could he go with a good team and, and play? I'm sure he could. Do you think that, are you as ready to close the book on Marcus as a Titan as these fans are? I think Titans fans are ready to just move on from Marcus, close the book. You know, I don't think they're committed to Tannehill beyond this year, talking about the fans and, and what they think. I think they got excited about what they saw in Tannehill uh, in, against San Diego. But I don't think they're looking at Tannehill like, you know what, sign him up, he's our guy. But 
Well, I do it's feel been, like the fans it's are. It's been uh, one game. I do feel like the fans though, are ready to slam the book on Mariota. Yeah, I mean it's been one game with Tannehill. So I mean I think everybody is in the same. Let's wait and see. Let's hope. You know that'd be ideal if in fact he is the guy. And at the end of this, you could say yes, he's our guy, and we're gonna you know sign him to a whatever, and we're gonna do whatever and and see what we can do with him versus starting all over. Now, Marcus, you know, Marcus would have a tough time here, you know, for a lot of reasons, I think. But but it's probably best for, for everybody at the end of this, depending on what could happen. And there's still a thousand things that could happen. But at the end of this, if it if it continues on this course, it's probably better for everybody if he if he goes someplace else. Elliot on Twitter says, with Mariota not being on the team next year, does this almost guarantee the Titans can bring back Derrick Henry. I mean, not having to pay the quarterback $30 million has got to be great news for Henry, Conklin, Kelly, etc. I mean, from that standpoint, sure. Well, but it doesn't, I mean, it got, doesn't, but it doesn't tell you who you're going to get. It's, uh, like if you trade better. for Stafford, which, like let's say they trade for Stafford. Let's say they make a deal with Detroit and they get mad. Let's, I mean, I could not imagine them doing this, but let's just say... The Titans trade their first-round draft pick this year to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. Well, now you're paying your quarterback $30 million. So it doesn't – the fact that Mariota's here doesn't have anything to do with Henry and Conklin and those guys because right. you're paying Matthew Stafford $26 million or whatever it is that he makes. So, But if you draft a quarterback in the first round, then, yeah, you got more money to go get better players. Yeah, you draft one or you, you know, sign somebody's backup or whatever it is you're going to do. Then you know you're gonna you're gonna have money to sign some of those guys. I don't know that you can sign them all, but you can certainly sign some. Let's go to Jimmy, who's up next on Mariota. Thank you for calling, Jared and the GM. Go ahead, Jimmy. Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. Love the show. Um, I just want to weigh in on this. I noticed one thing we're not talking about is the dual threat aspect of Mariota and Jameis Winston. Um, One thing that I've noticed is. Dual-threat quarterbacks don't seem to make their mark in the NFL. Um, it seems to be the greatest quarterbacks are all pure passers. So if we're going to put Mariota in a system to succeed, uh, I think it would have to be a system that is accepting of a dual-threat quarterback. And that's not what the Titans run. Thank you for the call, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Jimmy. And the, and the truth is, I'm not sure other than – I guess you could count Baltimore, but other than that, you know, there's probably nobody that runs a true dual threat system. Now, do they run quarterbacks? Sure. Do they, you know, move them around and and sprint them and boot them and whatever? Yeah. But but as far as being a true threat, I mean, teams want a drop back pocket passer. That's what they they want to try to win with, and and ultimately that's what it's going to end up. That's why all of these guys that come out of college at some point in time have to have to revert or change or alter what they're doing to be a pocket passer. Has a run-first quarterback ever won a Super Bowl? Not that Like I a true run-first. I no. mean, Michael Vick got to an NFC title game, but, I mean, Vince, they can't, I, they, this, team, this team had a Super Bowl-caliber defense, and they got to the first round of the playoffs because Vince Young threw 19 picks. Yeah, they can't survive. You know, they just get beat up. They're not going to, and and it's one hit away. And I hate to say this about Lamar, but Lamar is not a big, strong guy. 
But Lamar is a fantastic athlete, and and right now he's running for his life, and nobody's catching him. But as we saw with Steve McNair, just takes that one shot, and all of a sudden you're you know you can't breathe, you think you're gonna die, and it's it's over. The more I think about it, the more. And I was thinking about this last night. I was watching an old highlight video on YouTube. The more I think Steve McNair is truly the perfect kind of quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, he's tough. The team believes in him. Durable. Even though he gets hurt a lot, he's still like, he'll play no matter what. Big, strong, athletic, can run, can throw, accurate, clutch. That is the perfect kind of quarterback in the National Football League. You know, if if it's not a Brady or a Manning or something like that. Like, that is the perfect kind of quarterback. You remember the throw? No offense to Drew Bennett. The throw he made on, like, fourth and 17 with Rodney Harrison – blitzing right at him and McNair put the ball right on Bennett's hands in a playoff game that could have won the game could have taken the Titans to the Super Bowl just a perfect throw right in the guy's hands 40 yards down the field that is the perfect kind of quarterback the problem is is the foresight it took you to have and the patience of time that it took for him to become that people just don't have that luxury anymore in football so we'll see if the Titans can maybe Tannehill maybe he can be that option I don't know you know who that option is for me? Who's that? Terry Crisp. Speaking of option, Crispy wins the cup, then has a bad season. See you, Crispy. We're not like that, though. We believe in Crispy. Was it a bad season, Crispy? The one after the cup. He got fired. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> Crispy will join us next. His thoughts on the Preds. Live from his building, Pete and Terry's Tavern. That's right. Crispy will join us next. A Halloween edition of Crispy on Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM live at Bridgestone Arena's Pete and Terry's Tavern. And we are here with the proprietor of this fine establishment, one Terrence Arthur Crisp. Crispy, again, thank you so much for letting us broadcast from your ball. Gentlemen, Pete and I just enjoy having you guys here because nobody else talks about us. Nobody else knows we're here except that on game night. Now, in the beautiful weather, people are coming from everywhere, out on our patio. A lot of fun, and you guys make it a joy to be here. Thank you, guys. Crispy, let's start with this, and that is I am coming up with very few things to be upset at the Predators about or to be critical about as far as the Predators are concerned. I think they're playing really, really good hockey. I think they're playing smart hockey. Uh, At times, I think the defensive structure is a little bit of an issue. But outside of that, they're scoring across the lines. I got worried when Philip Forsberg went out, and I thought, well, he was carrying the team goal-wise, so how are they going to do production-wise? Guys are putting the puck on the net. They're making it tough on the opponent's goaltenders. Pekka is playing phenomenal. I don't care what the stats say. Pekka may be as good as he's ever been. I'm finding it very hard to look at anything with this team and not feel good about them as a hockey club right now. Totally, totally agree with you on that one. And the one thing I do like what you brought up also was, and Coach Laviolette brought this uh, point up after the game the other night. We beat them 6-1 and whatnot. Uh, But don't forget, uh, we scored uh, whatever goals we scored late in the game, and they were bringing it to us. Pecorine, and you just said, played out of his skull. Coach Lav said that he'd like to see us get tighter defensively, and I totally agree. We've been, we've been beating the drums here for years now on offense, offense. Our defense jump in the play. Our defense get points. Our defense lead the rush. Our defense are in front of the net. Now we're asking them, hey, guys, 
tune it down a little. Come on back. Let the forwards go. Turn them loose. Head man the puck to them. Let them go. And by that, Coach Lav says, we've got to start to protect our goalies a little better. And the last game, and if you watch it close, Pecorine was he was under siege oh, he was for great. a lot of that. That has got to stop. You cannot because the teams are too good and too big now to continue letting them siege in front of your net. Crispy, what do you make of the way that all the forwards are playing? I mean, Sissons comes out of the box like he shot out of a cannon the other night, puts a beautiful one on net. I say one of the biggest revelations this season is that Kyle Turris is playing pretty well as compared to what we've seen Kyle Turris play. Mikhail Granlin looks like a player this year. I mean, it's not just one forward who is playing well. It really, outside of Craig Smith right now, is the is really pretty much the whole group. It is. And you know what? That's what they've been looking for. They were looking for parity in our team, depth in our team. And what that means is you really don't expect your fourth or third units to come out to be the same as your first or second. But you do expect them that they have to contribute. And I don't care if it's just a great solid defensive game where they don't get scored on the whole game or they play solid defense and chip in with a goal or two here and there. That's what you're looking for. That's what you want. And the biggest thing is we have two lines now that the other teams have to gear on. That opens up our third and fourth units that they can get out there now and do some stuff. And they're all capable of it. So we do have good goal scores, third and fourth units. So now the other teams say, whoa, whoa. Well, this isn't Duchesne. This is not Johansson. This is so-and-so. And What are they doing scoring? Well, they're quite capable of it. To me, that's your depth chart coming to life for you. And you know what, uh, Crispy? I mean, I... To be honest, I didn't know that some of those guys had it in them. And all of a sudden, you're seeing these guys score. Is that the change in system, change in attitude, little change in attitude, philosophy? Attitude. And guys on. getting a better chance to play now yeah. because they've been around longer. They're starting to do that. And you know what? You were a GM. I was a coach. And I used to always laugh, but it was sort of a quandary when they'd say, the guys would get mad in the press and the players would get all upset well, I, I, I need more ice time. We need more ice time. And I used to say, you know what, as a coach, I said, yeah, you show me you, can, you deserve the ice time, I'll give you the ice time. He says, well, if you give me the ice time, I can show you. And <laughs> it's sort of a back and forth, back and forth. But the bottom line is it's all in the player's court. He's the one who's got to go out there and show me as a coach, yeah, I can start to play you now 18, 19, 20 minutes instead of talking about it. I find that theory to be so funny. And it happens every sport, every player, everything that is. Coach doesn't like me. Coach (laughs) is making $2 million to win. So if if coach hates you, but you help coach keep his job, and he's making $2 million or $4 million or whatever hockey coaches make now, they're going to play you because they're making $4 million. And you know what? Your bottom line is, and I don't care who you are, any part of the team, managing, coach, owner, you have to win. Two reasons you have to win. First off, bring fans in the building to make money so you stay above board and you can bring in a good team. And the second thing is your fans love it. And the city loves it, and the bills all around you, and do it. So every decision, I, I used to tell guys, and it was sort of I hate when I think back about this, but shouldn't be facetious or sarcastic, really. But the guy would come into your office just complaining and grouching and and yapping, and, and I think I told you this story before, real quick. I was a head coach, and the guy came in. He says, "I should be playing. Why am you not playing me?" I says, "Well, what do you mean? I, I'm better than five or six of the guys that you're playing. Why am I not playing ahead of them?" I says, "Oh." So you're better than five or six of the guys that I'm playing, eh? So first off, you say to him, you know, we sit down every night to put a team together to see how we can lose. 
No, we want to lose this game. We don't want to. So we put a line up together, see if we can lose this game. Yeah, that go. Yep, that's it. Well, he said, oh, what are you talking about? You, you can't. That's not right. I said, yeah. You know, no kidding, that's not right. So I said, okay, tell you what. You're better than five. Days. Let's you and I, and we were playing that night, and the guys were in there getting dressed. Let's walk down to our dressing room. I'll call a team meeting, and I'll say, hey, Joe, Joe George here, he says he should play tonight because he's better than five or six of you guys playing. I said, what do you think? Who wants him? Well, you can't do that. That's not what I like. Well, yeah, you just told me. <laughs> so he said, well, well you're, and he gets up and leaves in a huff. And I'm sitting there thinking about eight seconds after. You know, if you'd have been smart, he would have called my bluff. <laughs> and I can guarantee you if he called my bluff, there'd be one doe head in that room saying, hey, coach, I'll take a night off. You can play in my place. Yeah, now you're right. dead. <laughs> now you're dead. Now it's right back in your face. Terry Chris with us. You, you, um. I mean, we look at that, or I look at that game the other night, and I'm thinking, you know, you got a power play goal, you got a shorthanded goal, all four lines score. Pekka was out of his head, out of, and I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, you know, this may be the best team effort, total team effort I've seen from these guys in a long, long time. But I don't have the trained eye. No, you're what, dead. What would you? Have your dead on right. What you just said. Uh, that's the best. Total 60 full minutes as a team that I've seen these guys play in quite a while, and they had it all down. You can see it slowly coming, slowly coming. But uh, you guys mentioned earlier the guys that are bringing it, the third and fourth liners now, they're becoming dangerous, and they're giving the first and second units a breather and a chance to show it. But they're good. Like, I look at Sissons. This kid's capable of playing anywhere. Yarncrow, same thing. Duchesne's such a good welcome to it, to to what he's doing with the hockey club. And it just sort of filters down, filters down. And you see young Fabro out there, and they're working with him. Hey, he's going to make mistakes. He's a youngster. He's sure. going to learn. It's, when they first come in the league, they make them. But this kid's getting better each time out and doing it. So I like what I see. But I still, and you beat the drums on it, and Coach Lab beat the drums on it, and I beat the drums on it. I would like to see us tighter and tougher defensively in front of Pecorino and Saros. Is that the system? Is that maybe a little bit of lack of depth No, there? that's it, you know what that is? That's individual. You, okay. you, you can't okay. coach toughness. Okay. You can't coach. You move the guy out from in front of Pekka and Saros as they can see that puck. Okay. The guy has to want to do it. The guy has to have it. And having said that, that's all well and good. But the guy better have the capabilities. Of doing it, and if you're a 185, 90 pound guy trying to move a 230 pound guy out in front of that, hey, it's like that little ant rolling that, that bowling ball <laughs> up the hill. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna work, and it's gonna hurt when that bowling ball back down on you. So, to me, it's, it's individual effort in that area. You clear them. You don't have to be fighting the guy, but you wait your time. And when you see the play start to develop, you just move the guy out, put your stick on his rear end, shovel him out. You don't have to cross check him. You don't have to slash him. You don't have to trip him. Just move them up. Mm. Crispy, last one for you. I have been very hard on Kyle Turris over his two years in Nashville. And no, last year. No. Are you going to tell me this? <laughs> and last year, he had the statement. You know, and we kind of joked about this when he said it. But he said, you know, if I, I just feel like I need to be allowed to play my game or something along those lines. And we all looked, you know, and said, what is your game? And we all looked and said, you need to play the game that the coach tells you to play because you're not good enough to sit there and say, well, I need to play my game. His, is his turnaround because this new system is his game? No, I don't see any difference in the system. I, I still stay with the same forward, packing, going at it, uh, coming through the neutral zone, 
power play obviously has gotten better. Oh, yeah. They've tuned it in, and the guys have, have bought in and had enough of getting slapped around on the power play. But as, as far as Turris is concern, concerned, it wasn't lack of ice time that he, when he was playing, that it wasn't performing. It just wasn't happening out there, and a the coach can only hang in so long. And when he said he has to play his game, that's when it's between him and a coach or him or whoever is. And I used to say is, well, then tell me, what do you need? What do we have to do to help you? And, and, and you know Lab. He's won a cup. He knows what he's saying. What to do. And I'm pretty sure that happened. So just maybe this year, the support cast has gotten that much better for him. That's possibly around. Yeah. Like you like to say, GM, when you say when the, when the quarterback's throwing the ball in your numbers and you're dropping the damn thing, why do you blame the quarterback? Yeah. He, he threw a perfect pass to you, and you couldn't hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Crispy, always good to see you. Always glad to be in your bar, and we will see you tonight. And I'm excited to see what costume they will have uh, you rocking on Fox Sports Tennessee <laughs> next Thursday night on Halloween. you got to get a hold of Pete Weber, my buddy, and say, Petey, bring some pictures here from you and Crispy on your Halloween get-ups. On the air, through we, the ears, when we were allowed to well, be, I, I when see, we were allowed to be crazy. I see what you should be wearing directly right behind me, right there, and that is a Team Canada jacket. From what year was that jacket? That's got to be ninety-two. Your, the, the ninety-two, 92 team, jacket. You take that out of retirement. You should wear that on Halloween. No, no, <laughs> I got a better one for you, but I'm not going to tell you. Oh, <laughs> no, I don't. Crispy, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Crispy, is that one? Is that drink right there for you with the? Uh, the little pink drink with the little lime. Umbrella. The, the little umbrella. Little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that went right for you. We'll see you tonight on the broadcast. <laughs> All right, Crispy, guys. Bring care. the passion. Thanks, Terry Crispy. Terry Crisp. Why one suggestion was made about what the Titans should do and why I think it's crazy. We'll get to it next. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM. The animal is in the house here at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. Now, I got to say something. Yes, sir. I got a problem with Floyd Reese. <laughs> I got a problem. Join the club. <laughs> As many people know, next Thursday is Halloween. We will be live right here at Pete and Terry's Tap House. And I want to dress up. And Floyd does not want to dress up for Halloween. Right. Can you not get in the Halloween spirit? Uh, no. I'm not. I'm past Halloween. I've got some great pictures of me and uh, uh, good, nice outfits. When did you ever do Halloween? It's in the middle of football season. I thought oh, you guys was, coached. With Sal. No, with Sal. I thought you guys coached him. hard. After, if you yeah. We, we had, uh, I've got one as a biker, and I've got one as a tennis star, female tennis star, <laughs> with a little dress and the whole, I mean, it's a knockout. Was this when you were general manager of the Titans? I don't even know when it was. Well, if, if the Titans lost the next week, then you owe everybody an apology for not working hard enough to go. spending time to celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Now that you are done with football, I think you should dress up. I mean, have you never dressed up as Santa Claus for the kids? No. But you even would make a great Santa Claus. No, I, oh, That's sure. what you should be on Thursday. Santa Claus? Yes. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go on Amazon Prime right now, Ian, and see if I can buy a Santa Claus costume for the gym. If I get you a Santa Claus costume, will you wear it next Thursday? Are you asking me? Uh-huh. No. Why not? <laughs> The best Santa story ever, Jeff Fisher, I tell you about in his oh, boys. Oh, his kids? Now, be careful revealing Yes. That. They were talking about he was going to set up a camera 
so that he could film Santa Claus to prove to the guys, his sons and daughter, that Santa Claus existed. Which, of course, he does. Of course. And so he set up the camera, and during the night, Santa appeared, and he had tape of Santa, you know, delivering the presents and doing the whole deal, eating the cookies. And uh, woke up the next morning and said, hey, here you go, guys. Look it. There he was. Hey, right what do they say the in the NFL? The, the eye in the sky never lies. Never lies. Never so lies. There, there was Santa. Yeah. Unfortunately, Santa couldn't bring Jeff some more wins. It would have been very, very nice. Ian, what do you think of my idea? I literally will buy Floyd a Santa Claus costume on Amazon right now if Floyd dresses up as Santa oh, I next think it Thursday. Would, for I think it's a great idea, but I just don't know if it'll go through. <laughs> Good point. What, if, if we do a Twitter poll and 90%... Says yes. I have never listened to Twitter in my life. What makes you think I'm going to start now? What if someone's willing to donate $10,000 to charity? Oh, we'd have to think about that. $5,000. No, ten. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get ten? How do we raise $10,000 for charity to get Floyd to dress up as Santa Claus? I don't know. Well, what would be very Santa Clausian of the NFL would be what John Glennon suggests the Titans maybe do at the trade deadline. So he's got a Titans trade deadline primer on The Athletic. John Glennon does. And in it, it says, he writes... Is this who we should trade for? Yes. Okay. If the Titans decide to bolster the edge rusher spot, there are players who have been floated in media speculation. The monster name, of course, is Denver's Von Miller, who, like Cameron Wake, has topped the 100 sack mark. Broncos team president John Elway recently said none of his players were on the trading block. But then he turned around and dealt Emmanuel Sanders to San Francisco, so who knows. The 30-year-old Miller has two more years left on his deal, each at 17.5, so that would be factored into, a, into the equation. The Broncos are 2-5 and five and travel to Indianapolis on Sunday. Floyd, is there any realistic possibility the Titans could trade for Von Miller? I read that and I think to myself, it'd be nice to pick up Patrick Mahomes, too. Yeah. I mean, like, it'd be nice <laughs> if while you're at it, go ahead and get Brady. And see if you can There's no way the Titans are going to be able to get Von Miller. And even if they were going to get Von Miller, it would at least cost you a first-round pick, right? Oh, yeah. It would probably cost you more. And, and they're not going to do that. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. Do you a know, one so. for – the Broncos wouldn't do a one for Miller? Or the no, Titans no, no, no. Titans. I mean, I can't, J-Rob just can't give away anymore, in my opinion. You know, you can't trade away anymore draft currency. Well, but a lot of these teams are all about trading the picks. I mean, the Texans have traded away all of their picks. The Rams are trading away all of their picks. I mean, some of these teams just do not believe in picking, which is fine. I mean, it's well, worked no, out if for you can the trade, Rams. Yeah, if you can trade and get the right guy, the perfect guy, that's right. But, I mean, you're, the perfect guy for you is, is uh, you know, Von Miller five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you know, whatever it takes, fine, get him. I mean, I can understand that, but but – you know, to get a guy that's going to play for, and I don't know Von Miller. I don't know what kind of conditions he's in or how he takes care of himself. Maybe he can play another five, six, seven years. I don't know.